Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on We're Back in the Thick of Things, this Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody out there is safe and sane. Now, blogger Kevin Lynn's life seemed to be falling apart. In a recent article he recounted, I actually put a gun to my head. It took for God to supernaturally step into my room and my life. At that moment, I really found what I know is God now. God intervened and prevented Lynn from taking his life. He filled him with conviction and gave him an overwhelming reminder of his loving presence. Instead of hiding his powerful encounter, Lynn shared his experience with the world, creating a YouTube ministry where he shares his own transformation story as well as stories of others. When Jesus' followers and friend Lazarus died, many assumed that Jesus was too late. Lazarus had been in his tomb for four days before Christ arrived, but he turned this moment of anguish into a miracle when he raised him from the dead. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Just as Jesus raised Lazarus from death to life, he offers us new life through him. By sacrificing his life on the cross, Christ paid the penalty for our sins and offers us forgiveness when we accept his gift of grace. We're freed from the bondage of our sins, renewed by his everlasting love, and given the opportunity to change the course of our lives. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving God. Sometimes we take for granted how you've transformed our lives. Thank you for never giving up on us. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, first article out, slapping you right between the eyes here since we are back in the thick of things this Thursday. Here is your headline, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm telling you what, we definitely need to be keeping an eye on what's going on with this kind of stuff here because it definitely appears as though we've got some eco-terrorism happening not only over in the North Carolina area, but also here in the inland northwest for sure. Now, vandals in Pierce County, Washington, attacked four power substations on Christmas Day, causing at least 17,000 residents to lose power, according to King TV out of Seattle. Around 5.30 a.m. on Sunday, Pierce County Sheriff's deputies received a call about a break-in at the Tacoma Power Utility substation. Now, when authorities arrived at the scene, they observed that vandals had broken into the fenced area and damaged the equipment. Later that morning, a second Tacoma Power Utility substation was broken into and damaged, causing additional power outages. Approximately 11.25 a.m., a third incident was reported at a Puget Sound Energy substation. Authorities noted that the attack occurred at 2.39 a.m., which resulted in power outages to 7,300 people. On Sunday evening, a second Puget Sound Energy substation was damaged. Law enforcement reported that arsonists had set the substation on fire, causing another 3,000 customers to go without power on Christmas. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, this is definitely something that we want to keep our eye on. Obviously, you've got the feds that are involved in the investigation of this thing, and I am very, very hopeful that we are going to be able to figure out through that law enforcement criminal investigative effort who it is 
is and why it is that they feel it is a good thing to be damaging these substations. Because I'm telling you what, man, you know, again, uh, just in the last uh, week to two, we've been bringing you coverage with regard to how important our electrical grid across the United States of America is to us. And now that we continually add more and more burden on that electric grid, i.e. your electric vehicles, for instance. Well, not only electric vehicles, but also those, you know, the push to electrify more and more things where we're talking about getting rid of natural gas and pushing people into electricity. Now, electricity is great, but I mean, there was a news article just a week or so ago that talked about how down in the south, there was, you know, basically a, a huge burden on the electric grid that was causing blackouts and brownouts. And and so, you know, as more people are moving away from that natural gas, the way the environmentalists want to, people need air conditioning. Well, then it costs, you know, too, it's too much of a burden on the electrical grid and they have, you know, things burn up, things melt down. They don't have enough energy. We move more into electrifying things. I, I just don't see the infrastructure there to do what these folks are hoping that we can do these yeah. uh, well these bureaucrats these uh, environmentalists and when you're that story i was so curious about that because i never heard any follow-up on whether there was any arrests right um, and there hadn't been up to this particular point that had been reported anyway so is this eco-terrorism if it's eco-terrorism these eco-terrorists need to stay off the heroin and the fentanyl <laughs> no kidding man. maybe don't hit the peace pipe as much because they're hitting the electrical grid which is what we're supposed to be transferring to yes absolutely uh, so it doesn't make sense and also the thing that i thought about was if this becomes a popular thing with these eco-terrorists or or they're maybe they're just domestic terrorists or or maybe they're other terrorists maybe they're from foreign nations looking at hitting the united states and they have little cells in the united states that could very well that are be trying to do damage who knows because we don't know we haven't heard the outcome of any investigation sure. on these instances but is there going to be copycats in the future and you start thinking about hospital infrastructure really important infrastructure that sustains people's lives not just an inconvenience of a power outage right and yeah these people should be uh really held up on domestic terrorist charge or terrorist charges going after something as crucial as I would I don't know somebody's uh, supply of oxygen if you will or somebody that's on life support people need dialysis you know all sorts of things that are uh, you know life-saving when you're talking about you have a power outage how many vehicular accidents and possible deaths could occur because traffic signals aren't working exactly man yeah it's pretty crazy stuff for sure All right, your next story here, ladies and gentlemen. Again, it's about electric vehicles, and uh, we're going to drag our professional into the conversation, our mechanic into the conversation to kind of help guide us on this one here. But here's your headline. Here is why electric vehicles need EV-specific tires. Now, this is something that that nobody's talking about here, Tim. You know, and I know that there's a lot of people that have gone out there. They bought electric vehicles. You know, I see a lot of Teslas driving around Spokane, and I have had no idea that they would require different style attire but now that i'm educated and know that you know your electric vehicles weigh at least a thousand to fifteen hundred pounds more than a regular vehicle because of the battery packs that are in them at least right yeah i mean now you're talking about a lot more weight on these tires so they got to be using something different than what we regular commercial customers are using right or or residential or or, or, basic consumers well and and uh, let's get into this article and then we'll try to explain the composition of 
rubber a little bit more because I think we touched on this yesterday when we were talking about energy and transitioning commercial trucking over to electric where yes. you're going to be hauling a, a lot more battery weight and a lot less product, but we didn't talk about the difference in tires. Yeah. So, well, I tell you what, before we go into this article, kind of give me a little bit of a guideline here or a little education on, you know, sometimes you're driving down the highway and you see these, the tread, like almost a full tread from a semi truck that's laying on the side of the road. Now, I would imagine that those are retreads. Yes, those are okay. retreads, yep. So, so what people need to know what retreads are, and that's just not, you know, that's not the rock singer that ends up at the casino. <laughs> so a retread is actually a, it's a commercial tire. So you have the sidewalls, and so in reducing tire waste and increasing efficiency and cost that's where have, you get the rubber pollution right no actually that's not where you get the rubber pollution well you get the rubber pollution actually that we were talking about yesterday just from wear on your tire i mean everybody knows so you get a seventy thousand mile tire mike and, and seventy thousand mile tires are like political promises because <laughs> they always wear out in 35 or forty thousand. right <laughs> it's only a seventy thousand mile tire if you're driving at optimal temperatures you know 68 degrees so if you're driving in your living room without stopping, without accelerating for 70,000 miles, you wouldn't wear out that tire for 70,000 miles. But because you stop and start and you take corners and you have different varying conditions, it's not going to last 70,000 miles, especially sure. with the potholes in cities like Spokane. Sure. And, you know, when we say start and stop, when we say start, we're talking about acceleration. Yeah, acceleration. Sometimes right. you goose it, sometimes you just take off regularly and well and even taking off regularly you know you're you, leaving little balls and little granules of rubber on the street wherever you go right right yeah so you're, you're wearing out that rubber and so you know you that you have that road grime and you're thinking man it's been raining for three days straight the snow just melted why aren't the roads clean why is my car so dirty well the road is wearing out right so you've got particulate matter coming from your road surface but you also have your tires that are wearing out. So you see that black stuff sometimes on your vehicle. It's a mixture of asphalt and tire wear. Yeah. You know, so, the, and the weather doesn't just make that go away. It doesn't disappear. So when they talk about tire pollution, that's part of it. Now, I wanted to make sure that we got back to the retread thing. So you have the sidewalls of these commercial tires that are good for, and, and commercial tires, folks, I know that sometimes that's an irritant when you're driving on the highway, you see that tire, but you think about I-90 and the immense amount of commercial freight that goes down i-90 that's where you're talking about seeing those tires mostly, oh yeah right you bet and that's just the what they call the cap of the tire that's where the tread is and so it's a retread you take the sidewall they shave down what rubber's left because uh commercial tires that sidewall could have upwards of five six seven hundred thousand miles on it wow so we're talking about a good lifetime and sometimes the the retread won't last and most of the time that's because of improper inflation but a lot of times it's actually because of poor road maintenance and so hitting those potholes and hitting that stuff pulls that recap away from the original sidewall and the inner wall of the, the surface of the tire that that retread connects to so you know it's it's just a reality if, as long as we want freight delivered, we're going to have to have those realities. But the composition of the rubber of semi-tires is very hard. Mm -hmm. Very hard. Nothing like what we drive in our commercial vehicles. If you had the composition of rubber on those retreads on your personal vehicle, we'd have a lot of accidents because people would not be able to stop and start because of the composition of the rubber. You don't get the traction. It's designed to carry weight. So we can talk a little bit about that after yeah. the article when we're you talking bet. about these Tesla tires because they have to carry weight. 
but they also have to get traction. So that takes a special composition. Oh, you bet. Now, one of the biggest promises of electric vehicles is that they provide relative freedom from constant car maintenance. Gone are oil and filter changes, spark plugs, tune-ups, diesel particulate traps, diesel exhaust after-treatment fluid, and countless other parts to replace. That's not even so much as a muffler clamp to deal with. Well, a funny thing happened on the way to the petrol-free motoring bliss. The final piece connecting the car to the road is still a tire, and it still flexes. It uses air and needs to be replaced every so often. And the demands a motor places on traction, load, and noise are quite unique if that motor whirs silently. There's no way around it. EVs require EV-specific tires. How are EV tires different? We spoke to several tire companies to better understand what the ingredients are that go into the tire oven in the first place and what development testing was proven before the tires hit the street. Yes, tires intended for conventional internal combustion engines or ICE vehicles, if you will, will fit your EV car's wheels, but using them in this way would be a bad idea. Tires meant for EVs are engineered to withstand the additional weight, dynamic loading, and tractive demands of an EV, among other things. Using non-EV tires will likely result in far more accelerated wear, heat-related issues, and the potential for wheel spin from a rest, which, even with traction control, could conceivably induce a loss of directional stability. So, we're talking about weight and load being an issue. Okay, Noise so, from the vehicle being an issue. So, some of the noise from this article is going to ha- be heard after the break, because we're going to have to Take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and the rubber will continue to meet the road. We'll be right back. To our Spokane area veterans and their families, if you haven't checked out the Hilliard Veterans of Foreign Wars Post 1474, located at Diamond and Regal Street in Spokane, you got to be there or be square. The Hilliard VFW is there to assist you and yours with all your VA questions. Give them a call at 487 3784. Weekly bingo, cards, bowling, dart tournaments, and meal specials are just a few more things that the Hilliard VFW offers. Stop on by, give them a call, 487 3784. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on We're Back in the Thick of Things this Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. So it's kind of interesting that you're bringing up this article because we've we've talked so much. I know a lot of people have probably seen on uh, social media and different kinds of websites that they've looked at when when they're talking about the transition into EVs and they look at the batteries and recycling and all the things. And sure, there might be a sector where electric vehicles could be used like in yesterday's show we talked about semi trucks and using electric you know delivery trucks now that might work for local delivery but when you're talking about regional and city to city and across states that's not going to be effective for a very long time with the technology that they currently have and probably wouldn't be effective for quite a long time just because of not just the weight of the batteries like we talked about but this whole thing with these tires and the way that power is used now when you're looking at warehouses, Mike, and you look at the way companies operate. A couple days ago, we were talking about the cap and trade, and there's actually fuel refineries that are looking at wanting to get tax credits with this cap and trade to build new refineries where the equipment at the refinery is electrified instead of using gas. So, you know, a lot of the warehouses and and these uh, shipping yards and lumber yards, they all use, you know, diesel forklifts or or propane. 
a lot of them have moved to electric and it is a lot more efficient and cleaner for the environment, for their employees. You know, the electric jacks, they might drip battery acid, but that's less frequent than the amount of oil and hydraulic fluid and things that the old ones leaked. So there has been a transition already to that just naturally. Mm-hmm. So why the government's getting involved, I think is, I think there's a natural progression that they could just leave alone. But here with these tires, this is an interesting article having to do with electric vehicles because when they talk about tire and rubber environmental damage from vehicles, the electric vehicles are going to be far worse, just like the damage to the environment in mining all the elements for the battery. Yeah, you bet. Well, again, we're talking about weight and load. We definitely know that, you know, with the battery packs, we're adding at least a thousand, if not 1500 pounds more to the vehicle than a conventional vehicle would be right you're also talking about noise noise and vibration you know because you, I mean, you got a four cylinder six cylinder eight cylinder it's internal combustion you've got a bap, 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 kind of thing vibration going on there internal to the engine you know it's quieted down by the muffler and the tailpipe i get all of that but with an electric motor vehicle i mean you're not having to deal with a whole lot of that noise and a whole lot of that vibration that goes well and so with the electric vehicle i mean that's more about consumer pleasure when it comes to the tires because when you have the the engine and all those other things that are making noise you know the whirring of your power steering pump whereas the electric vehicle is going to have an electronic assisted steering mechanism yeah not a hydraulic you know power steering pump so you don't have all that different noise so the only thing you're going to hear is road noise yes so it where's the road noise how can you impact that other than by sound deadening technology inside of you know insulating the wheel wells and and things like that nature undercoating on the surface you know obviously the battery is going to block some of the noise for the undercarriage of the car but you've got to come up with tire that connects the road in a quieter way yes yes absolutely now you're dealing with traction under acceleration or torque if you will again this is the start and the stop and boy i tell you man here lies one of the biggest challenges when engineering a tire for an electric vehicle and that would be under the category of traction under acceleration or the torque that's involved in this because you know again but just by virtue of the education that you gave us regarding the semi-truck wheels and how much harder they are versus a, a regular you know commercial vehicle a sedan and stuff like that i would imagine that you know with an electric vehicle you're having to use tire that's got a harder rubber on it well it's gonna it's gonna hold more weight so you know you've got your personal tire so let's say you're you're driving a little honda car or something lightweight mike you've got a a tire that's probably you know a class c tire or above maybe b or a and and so your your load range is going to be somewhere between 1,500, 1,800 pounds per tire, maybe 2,000 at the most. Mm-hmm. Your truck tires are going to be, now there's there's load ranges for tires. Now, if, you're, if you see a guy driving down the road in, let's say, a three-quarter ton truck, they should have, in a three-quarter ton truck, if they're going to haul capacity and haul trailers, they should have what they call a low D range, at least a low D range. And and you're talking about, you know, 3,500 pounds per tire that that 
the tires rated to hold. Now you can go up to load E range or load double E range, and I think that gets you up to maybe forty five hundred pounds wow. per tire that it can hold. And so that's what they're rated for. And so you know you've got ratings for this. Part of the reason why you'll see these guys with the half ton trucks that are pulling pulling a heavy heavy trailer driving down the road, and you see them on the side of the road with a pop tire, it's because they were way beyond the load range of that tire and it's going to, you know, squat down a little, little bit more. It's going to heat up as you go down the road and the tire will pop. Mm, so, wow. you know, you also, when you're talking about the traction and control in this, there's load ranges and traction, temperature and tire wear numbers that are on all of our tires, Mike. And so you get that 70,000 mile tire and it's probably going to be a tire that that's uh, probably got a tread wear rating of somewhere to six, 700 range. If, if it says it's 70,000 miles and the tread wear is not in the six, seven, 800 range, it's going to last like 25,000 miles, <laughs> but you're not going to get as much traction. Right. So when you're talking about wet road conditions, you're not going to use much traction. So there's the tire rating tread wear is one of the pieces that's on there. And folks, if you want to go come back and listen to this show, after you look at your tires, if you're looking at buying tires for specific use, it's important to know because, um, you know, if you're moving down to Arizona, let's say you're a, a snowbird, right? Or you're just moving down to Arizona. You don't want to take the all season tires that you used up here down there because you're just going to wear them out because the road surface is hot. Yeah. So there's a temperature rating on the tire and the temperature rating of like your winter tire studded tire is a C rating. And basically what that means is that it's a harder tire as far as it does not, it doesn't allow the temperature to be released from the rubber as fast. So if you look at the traction rating C for the winter, and then you look at, say, something that's used in Arizona, a lot of your all-terrain vehicle tires will be a, a traction B. And that means it's all season. You can use it in most any climate, but you're not going to want to use it in hotter climates. A performance tire or a hotter climate tire is going to be an A. And what it does is it has a more porous rubber composition that, releases the heat faster so it dissipates uh -huh. heat faster so if you take all train tires here and you go drive in arizona your tires are gone it's kind of like driving winter tires in the summer here you know they just like they disappear yeah and bet. where do they disappear well they disappear in the environment and that's what they call tire you know the tire being wasted away and now you have an environmental impact from tires right 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 so uh, and you're always going to see that heat i mean just you know matter of fact i end up challenging the listeners out there the next time you go run an errand in town you know when you get home touch your tire and see how warm it is yeah yeah and it'll be warm and yeah. and and so and and if the semi-truck tires because they're holding so much weight they get really hot yeah and and so your performance tires they're going to dissipate the heat faster. It's going to be a traction A. But you also have the temperature rating of the tires, and they're going to, that's also has to do with dissipation of the heat. And the temperature rating in the Northwest is going to be a B or a C. Down in Arizona, it's going to be an A or a triple A or a double sure. A. And that goes along with your traction. The traction, the higher the letter of the traction, if it's a double A or a single A, it means it's a softer rubber composition. It'll probably wear out faster. It'll have a lower tread wear number. And, you know, you're, you're just going to wear them out faster, but you can take corners faster. <laughs> so the high mileage tires, that's great for the highway, but if you're looking for performance, uh, it's not a good thing. There you go. So, but with these EVs, you're looking for the best of all the worlds combined. 
and that's tough composition to come up with. It is and because it's going to affect, out a lot like faster. I said, it'll affect your driving range, and your driving range is going to affect the cost. They, uh, oh, and yeah. well, obviously, the cost, EV tires are very, very expensive. And also, how often you have to replace them? Because, like you right? said, with the with the engine, you know, y'all you have the noise, but also the horsepower of your engine. You don't have all of your horsepower at you know, 800 or 1200 or, you know, 2000 RPMs, your power increases as your RPM increases. Your peak RPM for peak power is going to be, say, 4000 RPMs or 5000 RPMs is where they would measure the torque and the horsepower of your engine, right? Yeah. Whereas the electric vehicle has all the power right now from a standstill. So it's got a lot of torque to those tires. And so those tires have to have the, the density but also the traction, the rubber has got to be soft enough. So I'm thinking that those EVs probably have layers and the, the bottom layers of the tire are for the strength for the torque, but you need the traction, the softness of the tire to propel you so you're not just spinning off the road because of the amount of torque and power that you have. So those are tires that are going to wear out a lot faster. They're a lot more expensive and they are going to cause for all you environmentalists what is it? Tire pollution, guys. <laughs> so it's not just that the batteries and all the other things with the electric vehicle, but tire pollution. So what a fun conversation to have that, I don't know. There's yeah. no, well, I tell you, I am not sold on the electric vehicle at this point in time. And, and you know, I understand. Well, there's a uh, lot. When, when the rubber meets the road, there's a lot of details that go into yeah, it. Yeah, like, no kidding, man. There sure is. There sure is. I, that's amazing. That is amazing. Because, yeah, I, for like, you know, uh, all my life, I've been buying the, you know, all-terrain vehicle tires that are, you know, mud snow rated. Yeah, yeah. And, you know... I well, had no idea. Well, when they say it tires, the but tires, what I can tire, tell you, you it's know, not the case. They're, right, they're right. very specific. What I can tell you is when I'm driving around town or when I'm driving uh, on a long trip or something to that effect, I'd walk by, you know, as I'm pumping gas in the car, I'd walk by and my hand would brush by the tire and boy, you could feel the heat coming off that tire. Yeah, you can feel the heat. Well, in, in the wintertime, you know, especially if you're having problems with your tires sliding and things, it's interesting and, and a lot of folks may not realize that the ice will heat up your tires yeah i guess so and and you'll see the steam coming off your tires after a trip and and uh <laughs> and, and and it's heat and wear and and of course uh you're hopefully you're driving with winter tires that have a temperature c rating that are good in cold temperatures or at least a temperature b rating because if you're trying to drive a performance tire that's a temperature a rating you're not going to get any traction because you actually want your tires to get warm to gain traction because if they're cold they're not going to gain the traction yeah because yeah. the rubber's not going to be you know you're in a position where you have hard hard rubber that dissipates the heat fast if it's a temperature a if it's a temperature c that is a winter tire it's going to retain that heat longer so the ice and the snow isn't going to cool it down so you can still have the flexibility of the rubber because you know with plastic and rubber it gets cold and brittle and sure. hard sure. the colder it gets so there is a lot to what you know, where the rubber meets the road and the government's regulating all of these different kinds of things as they push us into electronic vehicles. Do they even have the manufacturers to produce enough tires? And uh, what are the environmentalists going to say down the road when it comes to the en environmental disaster of tire pollution? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, let's talk about that for, you know, at least a minute that we've got left in today's show about the pollution. I mean, what are we doing with tires now? You know, if, if we're not burning them and we right. don't want to burn them because, well, you know, it's not the even, toxic fumes that comes off the burning right. rubber. And it's not even the tire pollution that's just on the side of the road from the tire wear. It's where, do the rub where does the rest of the 
the tire go when they're wore out. Exactly. Well, I, it's my understanding that for many years, I, I, I think there's one in Montana, but the tribes don't have the same environmental policy as the rest of the country. Oh, we're talking um, landfilling, eh? So just a few years ago, yeah, exactly. So it's my understanding that there's a few places where native tribes are kind of filling in an unneeded valley with waste that the rest of the white folk don't want. Oh, I see. I see. And so it's going there. So there's been some agreements about that. I'm not going to go too far into that just because I, I want to live another day. <laughs> um, I want to live to wear out another set of tires. So, you know, I think that that's a big discussion because one of the things that we saw happen here locally was the waste energy plant. We used to not be able to get rid of tires here. That's right. You know, there was that big thing where the old landfills, the tires would actually change shape underneath the earth and they would warm and cool warm and cool and work themselves to the surface surface yes and so they didn't want them in the landfills they were really difficult to get rid of people tried to make different things with them welcome mats you know running tracks they'd chew them up and use them so there's been a number of things that they've tried to do but not enough to take care of the actual tire waste that exists and so the waste energy plant now when you go to the dump they'll actually accept tires and they're burning them like they used to do in yeah. the good old days they're just happening to make a little electricity for the city of spokane there you go all of that being said ladies and gentlemen mike and tim are out here today we'll be back at you and in your face again tomorrow bye-bye